wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So I want you to lose your self-consciousness this evening. Forget about who's on your right and who's on your left. And go ahead and give God some Holy Ghost praise in this house. Yeah! 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated briefly in the presence of the Most High God. I will ask you to stand up not too long from now for the reading of God's Word. Um, But before we go there, I want to take just a few moments out to appreciate your pastors. Pastor Mildred just quoted a scripture that talks about pastors after God's heart and she used it to reference me but I use it to reference both Pastor Kingsley and Pastor Mildred this evening you have pastors after God's heart that feeds you with knowledge and understanding can I get a witness go ahead and appreciate them for the great work and the great sacrifice that they make for you even right now in Jesus name Amen I love you guys, you're already standing up again sit down, we're talking <laughs> um, I, could, I could actually spend the next God knows how long just talking about them and about the spiritual connection that we have um, but I think we'll have an opportunity to really, really um, possibly explore that the more. Because even that relationship in itself is instructive. The kindredness of spirit. um, The joint love for God and for his word. For some of us, ministry is an overflow of our walking with God. For some others, ministry is business. And you encounter, you interact with the different types of person. You know, there's the gospel, gospel music industry and then there's the gospel music ministry. And sometimes you cannot tell the difference until you are interacting with the persons that you know who is a gospel minister and who is a gospel business person. And unfortunately, it's the same even with pastors and word ministers that some, you can tell that it is more of uh, a business that they've gotten involved in. But whenever I, I, I meet those that have a true walk with God and the ministry is coming out of their walk with God, it's phenomenal. And definitely, definitely that I have found with Pastor Kingsley and Pastor Mildred. Once again, love on them. Hallelujah. We bless God. Um, I also, a man, 
Listen, the centurion did not say that I'm a man in authority. He said I'm a man under authority. Because authority does not exist in a vacuum. Authority always has a source. At any point in time, you've got to be able to recognize the source of your authority. Ultimately, your authority comes from God as a believer. I, I, I stand under a ministry at this point in time that has a great man that oversees it. An apostle, the Metropolitan Senior Pastor of all House on the Rock churches, Pastor Paul Adeolu Adifarasi. Can you help me love upon my papa, my pastor, even this evening? Hallelujah. It was remiss of me last night. Maybe I was in a rush to get to God's word that I did not acknowledge that I came. I did not come alone this time. Um, I'm so happy that Pastor Kingsley helped me rectify that later when he came up after me. But this person knows how much I love her that even though I didn't acknowledge her last night, it wasn't an issue for her at all. She didn't even think about it, didn't even mention it, didn't say, ah, what happened? No day here. <laughs> because she knows that she's the wing in my sails. She's the muse for my gift. She's my, she's my Nubian princess, my queen, yet my babe. Come on, help me love on Pastor Abisoye Odejide. The mother of my three children, my confidant, and my friend. Love you, love you, love you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen and amen. All right, let's get down to God's word now, right? Is that all right? Amen. God will help me tonight in these few moments to deliver his mind to you. I don't just come as a teacher. I've been working in my prophetic gift more and more over the last number of years to speak a word in season to you. And that has been my heartache throughout these last number of hours to try to say, God, exactly what are you saying? I believe that what he's put in my heart to speak to you is exactly what he wants you to hear. So open your Bibles quickly to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 54 Verse 1 to verse 3. Isaiah 54, verse 1 to verse 3. Popular portion of scripture. I'm quite sure you have heard it read to you multiple times. As in my custom, and my custom where I come from, let's rise up for the reading of God's word as we read from Isaiah chapter 54, verse 1 to 3, in honor of the second person of the Trinity, the living word of God. I will read in your hearing, but please follow raptly. In your, on the screens or in your devices right now. Sing, O barren. You who have not born, bring forth, break, break forth, break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Ooh. 
and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes for you shall expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Sing, O barren. Uh, to be barren is to be without fruit or unable to produce, uh, to be fruitless. Uh, now, typically when we think about fruit, we think about the fruit of the womb. Uh, but we should not limit it because there's the fruit of the mind. There's the fruit of labor. There are all sorts of fruit. So the issue of barrenness does not only speak to the female gender or to the woman that wants to be pregnant. It does not exclude her, but it's not exclusive to her. Even a man can be barren because his business is barren, because his ideas are barren, because what he's trying to do to make ends make meet is not working. So he too can have an experience of barrenness. Now God through Isaiah in this scripture instructs the barren, instructs those that are fruitless, to instructs those that are struggling and he says sing. Now, now, now the question is, why should somebody that is barren, somebody that is fruitless, somebody that doesn't have anything to show for all of his labor, why should he or she sing? God is asking you to sing, to cry loud, to dance, and to praise. Why would he say so? Can I tell you why he's telling you to do so? Because something, I can't describe it. Something, I can't quite articulate it. Something, I can't confine it, is about to happen. If you believe me what I'm saying, come and shout yes. For him to ask you to shout and to sing before it happens is to ask you to engage your faith. Because without seeing results and then to sing, you can only do that by faith. It is an act of faith. It is a call to faith. Do I have any faithful people under the sound of my voice? If you are faithful, one more time, show yeah! <laughs> get ready, get ready, because something is about to happen. Enlarge in the place of your tent. Stretch out your curtains. Strengthen your stakes, because something is about to happen. And the prophetic declaration that God has put in my heart to declare to you today is that your breakthrough is not tomorrow. Your breakthrough is not next week. Your breakthrough is not next year. Your breakthrough is now. Uh, if you believe that your breakthrough is now. One more time. Sing, O Baron. Thank you, Lord. Help me like only you can in Jesus' mighty name. You may be seated. I'm going to quickly lay a foundation of teaching and then we'll go on and get somewhere very important today. Hope. Hope is extremely important. 
more important than many of us would assume that hope is. Because a hopeless life is a life not worth living. All all around the globe, we have the incidence of suicide. And every time you see somebody commit suicide, behind that suicide is a total loss of hope. Because either a mental sickness, a mental illness, but it's all connected to a loss of hope. When you have no hope, you see no reason for tomorrow. It is hope that actually keeps you alert, alive, and hungry for the next day. Because if there is no hope, if you have no expectation of change, of turnaround, of lifting, then the question arises, why am I even here? Hope is extremely important. Now, I find that the subject of hope is not something that is very often preached or taught about in the body of Christ. Because uh, we would speak far more about faith. Because faith is powerful. Indeed, faith is the victory by which we overcome this world. Fully understandable. But have you found out that faith actually does not work without hope? Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. It says, now faith is. Sidestep. Faith is always in the now. Faith is not in tomorrow. Faith is not in the past. Now. Faith now. Now faith is. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So, hope is the focus that faith produces. Are you hearing me what I'm saying? Like a magnifying class is able to take the rays of the sun. Some of us did this experiment at some time in our education. And you put it in the sunlight and it brings the rays of the sun together and is able to kindle a fire. Hope is that magnifying glass that's able to take the rays of faith and bring it together to produce something. Therefore, without hope, the power of your faith is dissipated all over the place with no quite focus to produce. So you start to see that hope is critically important. Jesus, help me tonight. So you've got to have hope. You've got to ring fence your hope. You've got to make sure that the enemy does not steal your hope. Uh, A lot of the situations and circumstances in your life are strategies from hell to cause you to lose hope. But you've got to keep hope alive. So tap your neighbor and say keep hope alive. Keep hope alive alive. It is said of Abraham, our father of faith. We repute him with faith, rightly so, but it is said of him in Romans chapter 4 and verse 18, that who against hope believed in hope. Another translation, who who contrary to to, to hope, in hope believed. The amplified translation says, for Abraham, human reason for hope being gone, still hoped in faith. So if Even though he 
he's our father of faith, he was also a man of hope. He kept on hoping. Tell your neighbor one more time, keep hope alive. It's the focus for your faith. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 4, it says, for him who is joined to the living, there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. As long as you are alive, there is hope. I don't know about you, but I've been through some tough times in this last number of weeks, months, and years. The pandemic has done a number of me. The cost of living crisis is looming. All sorts of craziness happening to me personally and happening to me globally. But guess what? I persevere because as long as I'm alive, there is hope. And can I quickly tell somebody that if you have survived, you will thrive because the candidate for thriving is the survivor. Do I have any serious survivors under the sound of my voice? Come on, shout yeah Romans chapter 8 verse from verse 24b to 25 it says for but hope that is seen is not hope for why does one still hope for what he sees but if we hope for what we do not see we eagerly wait for it with perseverance so hope is always what you do not see uh, Lord Jesus help me today if you can see it uh, then it is no longer hope that means it has already been actualized so it's always what you do not see see yet. For faith calls those things that be not as though they were. Oh God, why am I going here? Do you understand what that means? Do you understand the implication of that in Romans chapter 4? Faith calls those things that be not as though they were. Faith does not call those things that be as though they were not. Okay, I'm going too fast. <laughs> Faith calls those things that be not as though they were. It does not call those things that be as though they were not. There's a significant difference. Faith does not look at this speaker and say it is not. Because it already is. It does not call what is as though it were not. It calls what is not as though it were. So, faith will look for what is unseen that is it needs here. Like, maybe I need a car that's not in this room. Faith will call what is not seen into this place. The deeper meaning here is that faith is not denial. Faith does not deny what already is. It just calls for something that is not and brings it into being. <laughs> Faith does not deny reality. There are a lot of things people are calling faith. That's not faith. That are simply is just living in denial. No, no, no. Faith doesn't deny what is. It says, let the weak say that I am strong. So there's a point in time, however brief it is, that the weak acknowledges that I am weak. But it doesn't stay re-emphasizing its weakness. It calls the strength that is not and brings it into being superior to the weakness that it's experiencing right now. So faith does not lie. I know how we know we have Christianese. 
And it's okay. It's, we understand why we have this Christianese language we speak. If somebody is having some symptoms, not feeling well, we say, ah, he's strong. And we understand our code. So when they say, ah, Toby is strong, all of us understand what that means. We know that it means the exact opposite. Because we do not want to speak. <laughs> and it's all right. But we better make sure we really understand what we are saying. We better make sure that we're speaking beyond the natural. So faith does not deny reality. Faith embraces an alternative reality and superimposes it upon its current reality. Gravity is real and is no respecter of persons. But there is a superior law called the law of flight, aerodynamics, that supersedes the law of gravity that causes what should normally come down to go up. When that law of flight is in operation, it doesn't mean the law of gravity has ceased to exist. It only means that a superior law is in operation. So, faith does not deny that there is gravity. It's just a superior law that supersedes the law of gravity. I embrace what is not and I bring it into being. Let's get back to talking a little bit more about this hope thing. So hope is not what is seen. It's always something that is not seen. If you already see it, it is no longer hope. It's already a reality. And it says here that when we have hope, we eagerly wait with perseverance. So in other words, hope helps you to persevere through whatever it is that you are going through. Hope helps you to endure whatever it is that you are experiencing right now. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 27 says that Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Christ himself is hope to us. He gives us a sure expectation of a future experience of glory. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19 to 20, it says this hope we have as an anchor for our soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters into the presence beyond the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Our hope is an anchor for our souls. What does an anchor do? An anchor keeps you in position. Can I tell you the truth? In this life, many winds and waves will be blowing against you. And if you are not careful, it will cause drift in your life. You won't even know when you started to drift off point. When you started drifting in the wrong direction. But if you have an anchor for your soul, even when the winds and the waves are blowing, you might move to this side a bit and move to that side a bit, but you are not going to move far enough to leave your projected court. Is anybody hear me what I'm saying hope is the anchor for your soul you've got to keep hope alive it anchors you 
the hope that since Jesus has gone ahead, he's a forerunner. He's gone beyond the veil. He's already died for me. He's seated with Christ, with God in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. So why should I be afraid? The anchor for your soul is the finished work of Christ. Can I go further? It says in the book of 1 John and chapter 3, verse 1 to 3, it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now, now, right now, are we the sons of God? And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Verse 3, and everyone who has this hope in himself purifies himself just as he is pure. When you have this hope in you, it causes you to purify yourself. What does it mean to purify yourself? It means to sanctify yourself. What does it mean to sanctify yourself? It means you to, to set yourself apart from something and set yourself uh, apart for something. From and for. When you have a hope of a certain type of marriage in the future, you will sanctify yourself. You will set yourself apart from certain craziness and set yourself for the great hope that you have before you. Are you hearing me what I'm saying? So hope causes you to prepare for what is hoped for. Hope causes you to prepare for what is hoped for. You start to see how important hope is. If you don't have hope, maybe you won't have the resolve to prepare because you're not really hoping for anything. And I can tell whether you really hope for something by what you are preparing for. If I told you I'm coming to your house, what do you do? You prepare for my coming. If I now arrive at your house and I see no iota of preparation, then I conclude that you didn't really expect me to come. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, keep hope alive. It's key. It's key. It's key. It's key. But there's another side of hope. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 12. The other side of hope. It says, hope deferred. Makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, is a tree of life. My focus on the first part. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. This is the other side of hope. This is the problem with hope. Because hope can be frustrating. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Am I talking to anybody? Hope deferred is when the goalpost seems to keep on moving. Eh? Hope is the light of the, at the end of the tunnel that keeps on receding no matter how fast you are running towards it. Hope deferred is when hope is disappointed, when it doesn't happen, when you thought it would happen. Hope deferred is when hope is taking too long to materialize. Hope deferred is when the deadline has passed. Two times over, they've stopped selecting. Hope deferred. Hope deferred is when your flow comes again. 
while you were hoping that this month would be the month. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Am I talking to anybody this evening? Have you ever been there? I have. It's the other side of the coin of hope. The other side of the coin of hope is that it causes a little bit of frustration. And sometimes it's not a little bit. So in order to have hope, and I've just admonished you that you've got to keep hope alive. You've got to also embrace the reality of the frustration that comes with hoping. Hope has frustration. The frustration of delay, the frustration of it's not been, been come to pass yet. And that frustration can only be tempered with patience. So you have to be followers of those who through faith and patience inherit the promise. You know, hope can be so frustrating that sometimes you want to come to the conclusion of, I don't want hope, just leave me alone, don't give me no hope. You know, some, we've been getting some counsel now that says that the best way to live life is to live life without expectation. Then you won't be disappointed. What type of life is that? That's a very bland life with no expectation, with no hope. But I understand why people would sometimes come to that conclusion. Because they are, their heart is sick from hope being deferred, from their hope not being actualized. So they are sick of the sickness. They are tired of being tired. They say, let me just not have hope anymore. It's like that widow who was receiving the man of God in her house, preparing a room for him every time he was passing through. And then Elisha became so consumed with what she was doing that he asked his servant, what shall we do for this woman? And the servant says, oh, she does not have any child. And then Elisha says, yes, we'll deal with that. Bring her. And she came and Elisha says, you will have a child. Do you, do you hear that what that woman said? The woman said, man of God, do not trouble me. I am okay. I'm amongst my people. I have resigned to my fate. I do not need to have a child. Do not trouble me, man of God. You know, that statement was very pregnant. What she was telling the man of God is, I have hoped and I have hoped and I have hoped and I have hoped in times past and it did not come to, to, to pass. My heart became sick with hope deferred. Let me tell you the truth. My heart is now dead. Man of God, don't trouble me. I don't want hope. Don't give me hope. But Elisha insisted. I said, by, by this time, by the cycle of life, you will have a child. I could go down that whole story to the, to the various wonderful things that say happened in that story. But you know the end of the story. So sometimes hope can be so frustrating that you don't even want hope. In fact, in the medical practice, particularly in the Western world, uh, we are taught not to give hope. Whether consciously taught or insidiously taught, we're taught not to give hope. So when you come to us with sickness or disease or anything, we are taught to immediately think of the worst case scenario and start to present you with the worst case scenario because we do not want to give you... In fact, in the Western world, hope is actually almost seen as a bad thing. You could get litigated for giving hope if the hope does not come to pass. But doctor said I was going to get well and I didn't get well. We're taking you to court. You made it worse because you made us hopeful 
that things were going to change. Maybe because of fair litigation, a lot of doctors today in the Western world won't give hope. They will look at the prescription they're about to give you, and I love it because we're very transparent. We say, okay, this thing I'm about to give you, you might vomit, you might get dizzy, and you might die. But it's the only thing I can give you for what is going on with you. And sometimes we fail to tell you that that type of reaction is one in a million. But because it's one in a million, we must tell you to protect ourselves. So that in case you are that one, you will not say, we did not tell you that this might happen to you. And we are afraid of giving hope. We've seen hope as if it was a bad thing. And anytime a doctor gives you hope, in the Western world particularly, it's because he has some statistics behind him, some figures that shows him that the prognosis of that disease is very mild. You have a high prognosis of recovering, and then he feels confident to give you hope. In other words, his hope is backed up with substance, the substance of the statistics behind him of recovery when you are treated this particular way. So then he's confident to say, you will get okay. Um, But when the world looks at the hope that Pastor Tammy gives, that Pastor Kingsley gives, that Pastor Mildred gives, the hope that we preach and prophesy and declare, they think that it's a flimsy hope because they can not see what is backing up that hope because they have never read Romans chapter 5 and verse 5 which says our hope does not disappoint because of the love of God that is shed abroad in our hearts. So the love of God is backing up our hope but more than that we just read in Hebrews and chapter 11 and verse 1 now Faith is what? The substance of things hoped for. So that hope that they are looking at and they are thinking that it is not substantiated with statistics and fact, they do not understand that it is substantiated by a truth because faith is the substance of things hoped for. So the substance of my hope is faith and that's why my hope does not disappoint. Now, our typical understanding of hope is that at best, hope is a 50-50 proposition. So when somebody says, I hope I will see you tomorrow, he has immediately introduced the possibility that he will not see you tomorrow. But the biblical hope is not that way. Our hope is 100% guaranteed. It might seem delayed, but it's still coming to pass. Can I prophesy to somebody that thing you have been hoping for if it is substantiated by faith faith which comes from the word of God for faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God therefore it's just a matter of time it's going to materialize if you believe in what I'm saying come and shout yeah hallelujah so this understanding this revelation helps me to handle the frustration of hope. The frustration of hope is in that it takes 
time. Uh, the promise gives me hope, but it takes time to be fulfilled. The prophecy gives me hope, but it takes time uh, to come to pass. The word gives me hope, but it takes time to become flesh. Uh, the song gives me hope, but when the melody ceases, I'm yet to hold something tangible. Between seed and harvest, there is time. Seed time and harvest. And that time seems to be the time of hope deferred, making the heart sick. Uh, I prayed and they told me the answer is on the way, but it is still delayed. Is anybody hear me what I'm saying? And so Daniel uh, went to the Lord seeking for an answer for the interpretation of a dream. And he prayed and day one no answer. Day two no answer. Day three no answer. For many of the modern day Christians today uh, after they don't get an answer not day one. 30 minutes of praying. They say uh, God doesn't answer prayers. Let me go and find my way. Uh, maybe the more mature Christians will pray for three days waiting for the answer. But if they don't get the answer on three days they say three is the number of the trinity. So if God doesn't answer me on day three it means God is not interested in my matter. But Daniel kept on praying through day one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, all the way to day 21. And then on day 21, the angel appeared in his space and said, I have come with the answer. Daniel was elated, said, thankfully, the answer has arrived. But then what the angel says is very instructive. He said, on the very day you set your heart to pray. God answered. Listen, listen to the word. He said, the day you set your heart to pray. You haven't even prayed though. You haven't even prayed. That tells you how eager this God is to give you the answer. Just when you are, ah, yes, I want to ask God about it. God is already, the first day, the very moment before you spoke, he sent the answer. Ah, uh, So the answer was released on day one. How come it took 21 days for the answer to get to Daniel? The, the, the angel tells us how come. He says that on his way bringing the answer, he was withstood by some demonic powers and principalities. The princes and the kings of Persia blocked the way and he was held up in the heavens and he couldn't get through. Ah, he couldn't get through. I said it. He couldn't get through. <laughs> this is instructive to let you know that it is one thing for an answer to be given. It's another thing for the answer to be received. The problem is not on the giving side. The problem is on the receiving side. And because somewhere in between the giving and the receiving, stuff can happen. So principalities and powers stood in the way, not allowing the answer to get through. And so an SOS message was sent back to heaven that the answer isn't getting through. And God called his archangel, warrior angel, Michael, and said, go and make a way. Uh, 
Our God who's able to make a way where there seems to be no way. And Archangel Michael came down into the heavenly places where these principalities were causing a mess. And he dealt with them. And he broke through. He broke through. Did you hear me? He broke through. What couldn't get through before it now broke through. If you believe me what I'm saying, come on, shout yes. And so the answer that was coming through was redefined, not just as an answer, but as a breakthrough answer. Can I announce to somebody, a breakthrough answer is coming into your life. A breakthrough answer is coming into your situation. A breakthrough answer is coming into your circumstance. Come and shout amen. Woo-hoo. Hallelujah. Uh, this is so instructive. Uh, you see, the problem wasn't the giver. The problem was on the receiving end and the in-between. Uh, so, uh, so Daniel had to sit down, waiting, uh, waiting. Uh, and as much as I love all of the Old Testament patriarchs and saints, uh, and I learn a lot from them, I realize that there's a significant difference uh, between the Old Testament patriarchs uh, and the New Testament believer. Because the truth be told, Daniel could not transact any form of business in the heavenly places. He could only sit down and pray and wait and hope that something would happen. But it is not the same for the New Testament believer. For the New Testament believer is seated with Christ in heavenly places. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. That means that even when principalities and powers and the hordes of hell are trying to block your answer from breaking through. You don't have to sit down on earth waiting for one angel or the other to make a way. Now you too are seated in heavenly places far above all principalities and powers. So I decree and declare every principality, every power, every host of darkness that has been standing in the way of your breakthrough answer. Now they make way in Jesus' name. Receive your breakthrough answer. Receive your breakthrough answer. Receive your breakthrough answer. Receive your breakthrough answer in the name of Jesus. I see breakthrough answers all over this place, all around this place. Breakthrough on the right, breakthrough on the left, breakthrough all around. You better get your breakthrough right now because your breakthrough is not tomorrow, it's not next week, it's not next year. Your breakthrough is now. Is now. Is now. Hallelujah. Hope, hope deferred might make the heart sick. But the verse didn't end there. It says, but when desire comes, when the breakthrough answer comes, it's a tree of life. 
everything that died while your heart was sick everything that seemed to went into a comatose sleep while your heart was sick from the delay of hope I want to decree and declare that as the breakthrough answer comes through it's coming back to life and it's not coming back to life alone it says a tree of life that means it's coming back to life with children it's coming back to life with fruit it's going to be much more than you ever anticipated than you ever expected if you believe it shout amen hallelujah hallelujah sit down sit down sit down we're just talking we're just talking hallelujah and so i move my homily to look at something that happened to david david was the first one to call god bow perazim Now, Baal Perazim is actually a valley in Palestine. The valley, valley was not always known as Baal Perazim. It was first called the Valley of Rephaim. Now, Rephaim is giant. So, in other words, this valley was the Valley of Giants. Okay? Now, David had just been anointed king over all of Israel and the Philistines gathered to test the metal of his leadership in the valley of giants. Just like at the beginning of David's exploits in Israel, he faced, when he faced Goliath, giants were again arrayed against him in the valley of giants. So I pick up the story in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 5. I'm going to quickly read 17 to 20. Listen to what it says. Now when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines came up to search for David. And David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. The Philistines also went and deployed themselves in the valley of Rephahim, which is the valley of giants. So David inquired of the Lord, shall I go against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? And the Lord said to David, go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. Verse 20. So David went to Baal Perazim. We thought we were talking about the valley of Rephaim, but David has already started to rename it, the Baal Perazim. And David defeated them there and said, the Lord... The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breakthrough of water. Therefore, he called the name of that place Baal-perazim. The text simply says uh, that David defeated the Philistines there, but David gives us a clearer picture of how they won the victory in his testimony. He says, the Lord broke through my 
enemies before me like a breakthrough of water. Uh, hence, he renamed the place uh, Baal Perazim. Now, Baal Perazim in Hebrew means owner of breaches or the Lord or master of the breakthrough. Uh, Jesus, help me. The picture that David place paints is of an initial resistance to his advance but suddenly somebody say suddenly but suddenly there was an explosion suddenly there was a change suddenly there was a breakthrough can I tell you that the Lord of the breakthrough the Lord of suddenly the God of suddenlies is about to show up in your space the Lord is the Lord of the breakthrough David recognized that the breakthrough was not the result of his own competence but it was because of the Lord. The Lord broke through the giants for David. I don't know the giants you might be facing today but our God is the same yesterday, today and forever. As he broke through for David, he will break through for you. Your valley of giants is about to become your valley of breakthrough. If you believe it, shout amen. You've got to thank God for the giants because if there were no giants we would not have known who you are. Do you realize we would not have known David if there had not been any Goliath. So I want you to redefine that Goliath that you are facing right now and realize that that Goliath is about to introduce you to the world. It's about to introduce you to the nations. It's about to introduce you to the globe. If you believe me what I'm saying Come and shout, yeah! But when I look even closer, I see David compared the breakthrough of the Lord as the breakthrough of water. Have you ever seen water breakthrough? <laughs> water is the most easy of things, right? But yet, water is the most powerful of things. Uh, water seems flimsy. Uh, water. What is water? Uh, but water, when it gathers, uh, when it gathers, uh, it's powerful uh, indeed. Uh, uh, water finds its level. Oh, Jesus. Uh, so water feels insignificant. But then it starts to gather. And it starts to gather. And it starts to gather. And with each gathering, the pressure is increasing. It's increasing. Uh, water finds its level. It finds the weakest spot. It finds where there's a crack. It finds where there's weakness. And it starts to work on the weakness. And the more the water is gathering behind the crack, behind the weakness, ah, there's a breakthrough about to happen. There's an eminent turnaround about to happen. But the word of God instructs us or informs us that water represents the word of God. No wonder Paul tells us, let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. No wonder the book of Acts says, mightily grew the word and it's 
broke through uh, and it uh, prevailed. Uh, so when you allow the word of God to gather like water and uh, you keep on letting it gather, every service you let it gather, every Wednesday you let it gather, every Tuesday you let it gather, every Sunday you let it gather, in your Bible study you let it gather, you fill the jars of oil with water. The more it gathers, the greater the pressure and the greater the pressure it's just a matter of time it's going to break through and I sense tonight that I'm about to add the final drop of water upon the gathering water of God's word in your life and it's going to provoke a breakthrough like no other is it you I'm talking about is it you I'm talking about is it you I'm talking about your breakthrough is now your breakthrough is now your breakthrough is now your breakthrough is now what is a breakthrough a breakthrough is defined as a sudden dramatic and important discovery or development an instance of achieving success in a particular sphere or activity a productive insight an important consequential or turnaround discovery penetration of a barrier of an enemy synonyms for breakthrough include advance development leap forward quantum leap revolution headway a breakthrough is a game changer Again, your game is about to change. Uh, the game is about to change in your favor. You are about to make a sudden, dramatic, and important discovery in God's word that's going to be the game changer for you and your household. If you believe it, shout amen. You are about to receive productive insight and a turnaround discovery that will cause you to penetrate the formerly impenetrable barriers of your enemies. You are about to run through the troop and leap over the wall. You are about to leap forward. A quantum leap is yours. You are about to make headway where there seems to be no way. Your breakthrough is now. I came to call you into the prophetics today. I came to tell you, <laughs> only prophets talk like this. The wait is over. I came to declare no more delay. I came to proclaim your breakthrough is now. So like the prophet Isaiah, I say to you, sing. 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 Sing, O barren, thou that is not bare, break forth in singing and cry aloud, thou that is not travail with child, 
for more the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman save the lord hey enlarge the place of your tent let them stretch forth the curtains of thy dwelling place spare not lengthen your cords strengthen your stakes for thou shalt break through on the right hand on the left hand thy seed shall inherit the gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited shout 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 your breakthrough is now your breakthrough is now your breakthrough is now I came to call you to another level of faith where your breakthrough is no longer perpetually postponed into tomorrow no believe it now faith is your breakthrough is now and it always be now it will always be now it's now this is your month of breakthrough you are not coming out of this month without your breakthrough when they say that there is a casting down you will say that there is a lifting up in the name of Jesus Your breakthrough is now. Shakabala badabos, ekeria badababos, shataya biada, ezobokoliada ha, hadakuya baria. The giants are coming down. The giants are coming down. I don't care how long they have withstood you, how long they have stood in the way. God gave the answer immediately. Now the pressure of the water of the world has reached critical point and your breakthrough is now. The Lord of the breakthrough is in the house. The Lord of the breakthrough is all over this place. As regards your health, your breakthrough is now. As regards your wealth, your breakthrough is now as regards your relationships your breakthrough is now as regards your business your breakthrough is now believe it believe it receive it receive it he's given now you receive 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 it Come on, start to bless him. Start to worship him. Start to give him thanks for your breakthrough. Express your faith with thanksgiving and praise. Accept your prayer, faith with that. Oh, sorry, I didn't know. 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 I did
of hope there's a revival of faith and your breakthrough is now in Jesus mighty name the goodness of God it never fails it never fails it never falters the goodness of God, it keeps us. Woo! Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 